Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast, the Bearded Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka El Julio Maravilloso, aka apparently, if you've been watching News 12 recently, Crazy Charlie. If you have a house that smells like cap, he is dated from the 1960s, has six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating past the basement steps. I'm quick, I'm easy, I'm a good time. I want to buy it. 516-777. Sold. All right. So today's guest uh, is an old buddy of mine. We haven't connected in a while, but I'm always watching what he's doing on social media, always admiring what he's doing. He is reinventing the healthcare industry, and he promised me a few minutes ago before we jumped on here that when he does that, he's going to get me hair. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know why he's going to do it, but I appreciate him for that. He is a doctor of chiropractic. He is a former box owner of CrossFit in Island Park, which is where I met him. He is the current owner, founder, running the show at Active Life. And like I said, he is reinventing healthcare. He's a very interesting guy. He is also a fellow bar mitzvah boy, Sean, Dr. Sean Pastuch. That's right. November twenty yeah, third, November twenty third, nineteen ninety six. I got married. At, I mean, not married. I got bar mitzvahed at Elegante Grand Italian Catering Hall in Massapequa, and big clams were on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish you had. So I wish you really had a picture of that, and I wish I brought a picture of mine because I. When was this? I, this was probably nineteen eighty two, that I did, and I had. The 90210 Brandon haircut with the wave in the mm -hmm. front that moved from left to right. Mm -hmm. Did you have I had, that? I had a very small haircut, yes. You did? How, wait, yeah. how old are you? Um, 37. 37 years old. Yeah. Dude, you're, I'm just warning you now. I'm just, because I'm 40, so I'm just going to warn you now. You probably know this. You're, you're a doctor, so what am I going to tell you about anything? Um, but when you hit 38, it just, it really starts to go to shit. That's the number? 38 is the number? 38 is the number. So, you know, you have to work out excessively or when you eat something, it just doesn't leave you. Right. Um, you, <laughs> you start to get hair in places that you didn't ever want, like your ears. Like all of a sudden your wife will grab like a six inch ear hair and you'll be like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> and and it'll, it'll, it'll pop up overnight. Like it wasn't there yesterday and now it's here. Mm -hmm. Um. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's all bad. I, be, I believe all of that. But all of it. today you look lean. You look, you look fantastic. Feel good. I mean, look, I could take you into the other room over here. We have a, we have a, a, an office that's a film studio that's supposed to look like a gym. So I got a place to work out whenever I want. There you go. But you, I mean, you've obviously, you've dedicated your life to health, to fitness, to making people feel better. So, I mean, You've done a lot of shit and you are a lot of, of different things, like I said. So I want to kind of go through the uh, the journey a little bit so people kind of get how you started, where you started, and how you kind of progressed uh, through this. So you're a local Long Island guy. You're a Merrick guy, right? Yeah, I was going to say, let's start with episode number 34 where you and Val were talking about the guy from Merrick. <laughs> you're, you're, you and Val on your episode with Val were talking yeah. about... Uh, you know, it's not like you're some guy from Merrick whose daddy bought him a BMW when he when he graduated high school. Wait, I, wait, wait. It depends. If it's South Merrick or North Merrick. North right. Merrick is another planet. I was, 
Did you go to Kennedy High School? Or did you go to Calhoun? No, I went to Calhoun. I grew okay. up. I grew up a block north of Merrick Road. Half my friends from elementary school went to Kennedy. I went to Calhoun. My first car was a 1995 Pontiac Grand Prix. That, that I'm talking about. The battery died as I was crossing Sunrise Highway southbound, and the car stopped That's on awesome. Sunrise Highway. But, but I would argue to say that you are successful today because you drove around in a piece of shit car that the battery died while crossing Sunrise Highway. If you lived in South America and you drove a brand new BMW, you would it would be a very different world for you. It, it might be. I mean, I, was, I grew up wanting for nothing. I had great parents. They made a good living. And they made me buy my first car myself. You know, it was, I had, I had $5,000. It was, you know, from working day camp. And and you know bus boying, and it was all right. Here you go. This is this is the piece of shit that you can afford. <laughs> Wait, did you did you go to you went to camp as a child, right? I went to my parents owned a day camp, so it's not a fair. I was I was a little, I was a, you know, I was a weak minded young child. I didn't go to sleepaway camp. I was afraid to leave home. I was you know I was no. So was I. <laughs> I mean, I went to camp because that's what Jews do. We go to camp. Yes. Yes. We're good little Jews. We go to camp. Wow. All right. So keep keep so so keep going. Merrick, North Merrick, though we need to. I used to tell people I, I lived in South Central Merrick because because North Merrick is above Sunrise Highway. South Merrick is below Merrick Road. I was the southernmost part of Central Merrick, South Central. Yeah, but what was what's the worst thing that ever happened in your neighborhood? Like somebody TPing a house? Yeah, probably. Like <laughs> that's so. <laughs> But but again, that's what Jewish people are. We're we're um we're, we kind of have a flair for the dramatic. Yeah yeah yeah. Look, I mean, I got you know I got introduced to the real world really when when I got to college in two thousand one because that's when you know nine eleven happens. I'm not at home. You know yeah. it, was, it, it was it was wild, and I was in D.C. I was in, I was at University of Maryland, and we had a tornado rip through our campus. And I'm like, what the fuck is a like? What is a tornado doing in Maryland? I'm a uh, what is going on here? And then sophomore year, we had the Beltway sniper, and like, you couldn't you couldn't get gas without hiding behind your door. It was wild. But so I didn't get introduced to the real world until I got to college. Wait, Maryland had a sniper, dude. You don't remember that? I've never heard of this. Yeah, it was it was scary. It was a guy who was sniping people up and down the Beltway in Maryland, like just for no reason. They didn't know who it was. He would leave a card when he did it. It was. It was scary. And they never caught him? Oh, they caught him. So people would just be, he would just, bam, like straight. Sniper rifle. That's it. Just take you out. Yep. Just because he could. Yep. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is nuts. But did you have a good time in Maryland? Because Maryland is a freaking good time, man. I've been there. It is wild. I did have a good time in Maryland. Most of my friends that went to Maryland never came back. They actually stayed in Maryland. They must have gotten a job working on Capitol Hill or something, working as lawyers. You, you, your friends going out probably ended up being lobbyists and stuff like that. No, my two friends that stayed there, I met working at a male strip club, and they worked, <laughs> they worked in the kitchen and they seemed to do other stuff. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't quite that. No politicians out of, out, out of that crew. No. So, you, what did you major in? And well, you you are. I'm gonna tell everybody. You're you're a chiropractor. I let my license lapse, but I was a chiropractor once. Okay, so first and foremost, and yeah. when you went to school, that's what you wanted to do. That's what you want to be, because 
Did you also know that I wanted to be your chiropractor and all I do is watch chiropractic videos on YouTube and practice on people? Do you know I that? Did, I did not know you did that. No, yes. I didn't know you did. <laughs> I, would, so, I, would, I would not recommend that, by the way. I, I, I like to tell people that I'm YouTube certified and to not worry. I am very good with appendages, right? Mm -hmm. I can do elbows, fingers, toes. Well, I am I'm amazing at toes. You should print a certificate or no one's going to believe you. Do they have YouTube certified certificates? Make one. How hard is it to go online and create? True, true. So I do the toes, I do the fingers, I do wrists, I do elbows, I do backs. Okay. Um, I just, I need help with the neck and nobody really wants to let me. <laughs> I would say that's a good idea of the people saying no to you. I, I know all the cool terms like upper thoracics and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Side posture, all that. I. Do you yep. see the ring dinger? You ever see that guy do the ring dinger? The ring Dr. dinger, no. Dr. Gregory Johnson, where he wraps a towel around his patient's neck, pins them flat on the table, and then yanks their oh, head. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Do you do that stuff? No. No. This is this is a big reason why I had to get out of that field. It was like, this is who I'm associated with. Like this, Like, I'm associated with people who are literally putting a towel around people's neck and then yanking as hard as they can to try to tell you you're gonna be, you're gonna, it's good for your spine. But it's supposed to change your life, it's decompression. It does change your life, it fucking ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what ultimately led you into chiropractic? My father and my uncle were chiropractors and I was working okay. as a personal trainer at Equinox. I did not go to Maryland to be a chiropractor. I went to Maryland um, to chase girls. My first semester, freshman year, I got a 1.7 GPA. And my dad was like, if you don't get a 3-0 next semester, you're, you're coming home. So I how, got what? How was your grade with the girls, though, the first semester? How'd you do? Oh, also terrible. Really? I had no idea what I was doing. That's disappointing. I was a pimply, five foot nine, 132-pound Jewish white kid from Maryland. <laughs> what, like, what was I going to do? I had no idea what I was doing. I was least hoping if you would bomb in one, you would succeed in the other. No, utter failure. <laughs> I, right. thought, I thought I was cool. I was not. But you were going for chiropractic. You were like, I'm going to no, be a chiropractor. No, I, was, I had no idea what I was going to do in school. I, I had no major until my junior year. See, I wanted to be a Well, you know what? At 18 years old, who the hell knows what you want to do? I originally wanted to be a chiropractor because I loved surfing more than anything in the whole world. And every chiropractor I met that surfed, had this insane schedule that allowed them to surf all the mm -hmm. time. It might've just been these particular chiropractors. Yeah. So I'm like, That's it. I'm going to be a chiropractor. And ultimately ended up not being a chiropractor <laughs> until I got my YouTube certification. But um, it seems like a very cool, rewarding, interesting field. You know what? It wasn't bad. The thing about it was um, patients come into the clinic and the, the first two questions that they ask are how much is this going to cost and how long is this going to take? What, it, what they want to know is they don't say those words, right? They say like, hey, do you take my insurance? What's my copay? And how many visits is this going to be? How often? What they want to know is how soon can I stop paying you? Got and, it. And they come in miserable. You help them get better. And then once they're happy, they're like, all right, see you later. So for me, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to deal with miserable people all the time. And then when they're happy, like never see them again. That's not the kind of profession I want to be in. Is that really, I feel like most people I know that go to the chiropractor 
um, go for like a holistic approach where they want to maintain. They're very active people. Yeah, the problem is for me as a chiropractor, I didn't believe in that kind of treatment. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to sell somebody, come see me once a month for the rest of your life. I didn't think it was valuable to do that. So your approach to chiropractic was to just obviously help people that were in pain and need of help. You don't believe in chiropractic as just a maintenance no. function? Maintenance function? No. I mean, like, I, I don't mind it. I still get adjusted myself, but it's not one of those things where like everybody needs to get adjusted once a month or they're going to die. Like they're, they're, it's, just, it's just not true. There's no, there's, there hasn't been enough. There isn't an overwhelming amount of evidence that says anything in that direction. I'm not even an evidence guy. Like I'm not the guy who's like, prove it to me with a study. I don't right. care. Um, I just didn't see it being the thing. Like I didn't, I wasn't even adjusting a lot of my patients. So what kind of, like, what would you do with them? Soft tissue work. I would do exercise modification, mindset, all that stuff. And you, but you found that to have positive results? Of course. You ever see the guy on YouTube that, beats people with the hammer. Yeah, I interviewed him on my podcast. Bro, his wife is a smoke show. Yeah, she's not bad. <laughs> Good friend, no shit. All right, yeah. cool, we'll talk about that yeah, later. I mean, I mean look, here, here's the thing. Um, I used to feel when I was in practice, I mean, we had I had patients who were flying in, I had a guy flying from Finland, I had a guy flying from Spain, I had a guy flying from Brazil, from Nevada, from California, from Florida, um, Australia. People were flying in from all over the place to get visits at my clinic, but it wasn't rewarding because it was like, okay, did it again. It was just repetitive. It was the same nonsense over and over and over again. The money wasn't insane. So, and the freedom wasn't there. Cause you know, you, you, you flip houses. Imagine having to hammer every nail, screw every screw and cut every piece of wood. It's yeah. like, if you're not there, it doesn't, it doesn't do the thing. And part of that was I didn't know how to run a business. But the other part of it is I was the business. Well, I mean, that's not something that they that they teach you growing up pretty much anywhere. The cool thing about you is you you got a lot of experience at a very, very young age. Um, how did you ultimately well begin to segue into the fitness world? Because your your first endeavor into fitness was the CrossFit gym, or is that not accurate? So, so 2005, 2004, I became a personal trainer at University of Maryland. Okay. And I was going to be the best personal trainer in the world. I was following, like, once I realized I wasn't going to be a pro baseball player, which took until my junior year of college, um, I started following the best personal trainers out there. So I was looking at people like um, David Kirsch, who trains all the Victoria's Secret uh, angels in Manhattan. I was looking at um, Mark Vestigian. I was looking at the, the, the guys out there who were doing the thing. I was watching them. Okay. I, I was going to be just like them. You know, 200 bucks an hour for a training session, yada, yada, yada. Um, came out, got a job at Equinox. Uh, actually, at first I got a job at World Gym in Huntington, and that was a that was a disaster. But I got a job at Equinox in Great Neck after that and right. learned the business of fitness. And then I was constantly taking my clients upstairs to the physical therapy suite saying, like, oh, this guy's got the shoulder thing. What do I do about it? And they would say, oh, just work out around it. This guy's got a knee thing. What do I do about it? Yeah, he's 55. That's what happens. I'm like, this is this can't be like this can't be the best possible answer to these questions. Work out around it. He's too old for that. Come on. So I went to chiropractic school to save the world, realized adjusting people, snapping necks and cashing checks wasn't my thing either, and went back to fitness. 
Okay, but you still did it simultaneously because I remember you you had your yeah. practice running while you were opening the CrossFit gym. I was a good Jewish boy. You're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, yes. right? And 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 that's the thing. And my parents never put that pressure on me, but I put that pressure on myself to be financially successful and to do something that they could be proud and tell their friends that I did. So um, that's I, I married the world by saying I can do fitness and I can do rehab and I can own them both and put them together and change how people do this. But you did. I was there. I saw it. I know. And you you said something to me that haunts me to this day. I really? remember. Yeah, man. You were uh, we were doing a rope climb workout. You came to the 8 p.m. class. Yes. And you were the last person to leave. And you were like, dude, sell this business and get into real estate. <laughs> and 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 the sick thing is at the time as it pertains to like finances and actually making money i knew you were right i had no doubt that you were right i just didn't want to get into real i, I enjoyed what i was doing yeah. even if it wasn't providing me the financial return that i wanted and eventually that just got old i had to do i had to do what i love to do and make the money at the same time yeah, I guess what was I was I implying? I don't even remember. I vaguely remember having this conversation with you. Was it was it more of just like like a, a scalability, you know? Issue? No, it, was, it was you had like I don't know two months ago sold your Mako. Oh yeah, and and all and now you were like buying your first homes, and you're like, dude, it is so easy. You got to do it, and I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I don't believe it. I believe you like it. I don't believe I would like it as much. I think it's easy for you because you like it. I, Yes. No, all yeah. of that. Um, but I, I, I knew the moment that you said that I got like this thing in my gut and I was like, I'm not going to do this. I got, I can't keep doing this because that is enticing to me, even though I know nothing about real estate and I love this stuff. So that means this is not the thing. Wow. Haunts me to this day. Wow. No, but like, I, I mean, I hope that was impactful. It shouldn't be haunting. Maybe. No, did it, it, did it it's a valuable haunt. It's like it's like the ghost running behind you when you're running as fast as you possibly can. It makes you run faster. So, but I'm, I have a feeling that you're going to come full circle and you're going to end up investing in real estate in the not so you know distant future, and then it'll kind of all come together. Well, uh, now now what we're looking to do is you know we've I mean to give you the full like let's just fast forward eight years. Um, we're we're coaching gyms and coaches and people. So we help individuals get out of pain from anywhere in the world without going to the doctor or giving up their active lifestyle. And we coach coaches and business owners on how to make their gyms the healthcare clinic that I know that ours could have been. Right. So I want to stop you for one second because I think this is an important point that I want to reinforce for people. So for all intents and purposes, you were and this is about like being happy, taking risks in a calculated way, transitioning, right? Because you you were making money as a personal trainer, but you weren't happy. You wanted something better. So you became a doctor. Like mm -hmm. that's a big deal. So now you're a doctor. So mm -hmm. now you're a doctor who's transitioning into fitness, doing both at the same time. Now you kind of like you leave both of them to go do something completely different, albeit within the same field. Just kind of talk about a little bit like the mindset and how you how you did that. Like you also have a family with children. So oh, it's yeah. not easy just to be like, screw this doctor doctorate. And this, you know, CrossFit gym. So, so when when you and I, when you were in the gym with me, right. I was working seventeen hour days. Right, I would be at the six a.m. class. I would close the eight p.m. class at nine, 
stay, clean the gym. You get to the 6 a.m. class before the 6 a.m. class starts. So you clean the gym, get it ready. Um, get home at 9.30, 9.45. You, know, you get to the gym at 5.30, get home at 9.30. And then at home, you're doing some extra work on the computer, on the cell phone, on the Instagram account, whatever it is, to try to make sure that you're growing the business properly, which I wasn't. I had no business acumen at the time. I had my chiropractic clinic. I had the gym. I don't know if you remember the event that we used to throw on the beach. And on the yeah, 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 yeah. All that together, I was making like $30,000 a year. Yeah. So that wasn't good. <laughs> like no. I didn't, cause I didn't know how to run the business. Patients were paying, patients were flying in from out of town, paying a thousand dollars for their appointment. And I would just squander it. But like, I didn't, I didn't know how to run a business. So there was nothing left at the end of the day. It was, you know, great gross, shitty net. So, wow. mm -hmm. so, you know, fast forward a little bit. My partner and I, you remember Mike from the gym? Yeah. We split, right? We split in 2014. And then in 2017, my wife, or 2014, my wife was pregnant with the kid, our first kid. And I'm working these 17 hour days. I'm making no money. The event is losing money. The clinic is doing fine. The gym is like, I, I'm not coaching any classes, but now I'm paying for every class to be coached. So I yeah. no longer, like, I didn't understand profit. I just understood money in, right? Like it was, I was young in business. I'm like, oh, all this money comes in. I make this much money. No, you don't make that much money, you idiot. That much money comes into your business and then you pay other people to run it. Yeah. So there was no money left. And the reason, so I fast forward four more years, I got myself to the place where I was making $10,000 a month, which it's a, it's a decent income on Long Island, $10,000 a month. And I was working less hours, everything was good. But man, it felt like I, every day I went to work, I drove a Ferrari right into the bottom of a lake. And I'm like, there's nowhere to go. Like I'm sitting in this car that I know has this stuff in it but I can't fucking drive it anywhere because it's in the bottom of a lake. And I went to my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm out. She's like, what do you mean? Like, you finally are in, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you're out? I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I, I got out of the clinic, I got out of the gym, started wow. an online business full time. And the online business was like a side project. And it was, it was in, December 2017, it made $36,000 and netted four. And I just told my wife, you're not going to see me in January. And in January, we got it to 85 and it's been, it's been going since. Wow. That's all. So explain to everybody exactly what the online platform is, does, did, how, how it has changed over the last couple of years. So think of it this way. What happens right now in, in the world is the way that doctors are paid is they're paid on what's called ADLs. So insurance company pay doctors based on their ability to help the patient go from inability to perform ADLs, which are activities of daily living, okay. to ability to do it. And once you can do your ADLs, insurance companies stop paying. Okay. Now, the thing is, they also know how long it should take a doctor to get you to your ADLs. So if, they, if it takes you more than 10 visits and the average patient who has it takes 10 visits, they'll stop paying you with 10 visits anyway. Follow? So, so school teaches doctors how to repair ADLs for their patients. Wiping your ass, changing the channel, sleeping through the night, 
bathing yourself, eating. These are examples of ADLs. Okay. I want to be able to run three miles without low back pain. Sorry, that's not a thing that we do. I want to be able to lift heavy weight. Sorry, that doesn't happen on your insurance. I want to be able to throw a ball really hard. Sorry, not a thing. You want to be able to coach your kids in basketball? Not a thing. So, wow. so what happened was I realized that people were asking me where, you know, how long do they have to pay me for? And how many visits do they need to come? I'm like, where would you rather be? They're like in the gym, living my life. I don't know. Anywhere else that's not your office. You know, like no one wants to go to the doctor's office. No one's like, I'm excited to go three days a week at one o'clock. Like it's not a thing anyone wants to do. So we started helping people from anywhere in the world with better exercise, better movement, better mindset. And we started to see that people were actually getting results no matter where they were. And we didn't have to ever have them come into the clinic. So we started to kind of brand ourselves as the company that can help people get out of pain without going to the doctor's office or giving up their active lifestyle. And that was the first part of the business. It was just help people from anywhere in the world to get out of pain without going to the doctor and without giving up their active life by writing them smart exercise, by giving them stretches. You know, we don't really give them stretches, but I know that that's what people are visualizing. So giving them stretches, right? Helping them move better, helping them think different about what their pain actually is, provide certainty around what's going on. Fast forward, we've helped over 10,000 people now to do that. Wow. Yeah, we have, a, we have 24 coaches on our staff. Wow. 22 of them are doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists, um, athletic trainers, massage therapists, and we have coaches who are just standard coaches. And what we do is not medical. So you can't use your insurance to pay for it. Yeah. You don't get a diagnosis. You just get your fucking life back. Right? I mean, oh, not. And, and, and you don't have to go to a doctor's office for it. You don't have to get clearance from your insurance company. You just pay a monthly fee. And one of our staff members works with you one-on-one -on -one and builds you a completely custom program based on your exercise experience, based on the aches and pains that you're dealing with, based on what you've tried in the past, based on what equipment you have access to, how many days a week you want to train, how long you want to train for. So instead of going to the gym to build biceps, you go to the gym to build biceps and get rid of your shoulder pain at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting you say all that because so I have to give credit to my father on this one. Um, the reason why I did not become a chiropractor is because my father said, yo, don't become a chiropractor. The insurance companies are fucking everything up. What happens is chiropractors think they work for themselves, but they don't. They work for the insurance companies unless you run a cash practice. And if you run a cash practice, which is what we moved to, you're not like you're spending most of your time marketing. Yeah. And it's, it's, they don't teach you that in school. They don't teach you that you're going to be a marketer and a salesperson. And people are going to come in and make buying decisions about working with you. Where, where, where was that education at? Well, see, the interesting thing is when I think about you, the thing that popped into my head originally was outside of being a very nice guy is that you were always a salesperson. And a lot of, so I'm a classically trained salesperson. I got trained by a guy, uh, by my dad's partner when I was in Mako. He used to train, uh, he used to sell Electrolux vacuum cleaners door to door in the seventies and made 75 grand a year doing that, which is insane. And he was trained under like Zig Ziglar and Tommy Hopkins and all that. So uh, I have a real appreciation for that. And it's kind of like a lost art. And a lot of people think sales people are, it, it's like a negative connotation. I did also, but it's not. I think being a sales, a good salesperson is just being an effective communicator. But I remember you being, very aggressive, 
and being a very good salesperson. Well, so I've learned how to be like, I was a good salesperson because I was, I could be a bulldog. I was willing to hear no 17 times. And this didn't help you in fresh in the first semester with the girls. You still sucked. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, um, what I, what I, I agree with you, by the way, about sales being something that people look at as negative. And the reason that they look at it as negative is because they've had a bad buying experience once, right? They, they bought something from somebody who sold them something that they should never have sold them. Yeah. And so now they're like, salespeople are sleazy. Salespeople are pushy. If you, our golden rule of sales is only sell to people in the market for what you have and always sell to people in the market for what you have. So we have a sales team of between the two sides of the company, we have eight full-time salespeople. Okay. And we still turn away 35% of people who call with their credit cards ready to start. Because, okay. because they're not they're not a good fit for us. And, and we, we don't want to take your money and not provide you with the result that you want. So, so we, Go ahead. Who, who is who? So who are just so that we really understand who is or who are your ideal clients? Are you helping people feel better, achieve higher rate of performance that are healthy? So there's two sides of the house. We'll, we'll start on the side that, we're, that we already talked about the helping people get out of pain side. Our ideal client there is somebody who wants to live an active life and is tired of dealing with the aches and pains that they have. That simple, right? It's it's. If you've been told you just need to work out around that, or you need to find different hobbies, or you need to change careers, or you know, you're too old to do that. And that frustrates you. It makes you want to punch a hole in the world. You're perfect for us, right? Because we, we will break all of those beliefs, explain to you why somebody else who has them tried to push them onto you, even though they're not true and help you get past it and get out of pain without giving up your active lifestyle. And we've worked with Olympic medalists. We've worked with professional baseball players. We've worked with professional crossfitters. We've worked with professional rugby players, professional basketball players. And that makes up less than 0.1% of our client base historically. Most of them are people like you and like me who enjoy throwing a little bit of their body around from time to time, but aren't looking to play any professional sports in the future. So take me through like a classic kind of, you know, pain scenario and then how you guys go about, you know, rectifying that and what kind of the success rate is with that type of stuff. Sure. So let's say you have a torn rotator cuff. Okay. Or a rotor cuff if in, in, the, in, the, in the real world. Um, people hear, I have a torn rotator cuff. And they start to think that that is like, it's stamped on their forehead. I'm all, I have a torn rotator cuff. That's my thing. Like I can't use my shoulder, right? That's not true. First of all, there are varying degrees of tears. Second of all, most people have tears in their rotator cuff. Most people have tears in their rotator cuff. So why is yours symptomatic? And your friend who also has it and doesn't even know he has it. Why is his not? What's the difference? Because right? if we image both, we would see tears in both of your shoulders. And so once somebody understands that concept, they're like, wait a minute, there's a lot of people walking around with what I got and they don't have pain? Yeah. Well, why? Great question. I'm glad you asked it. The next thing that we look at is, what does your range of motion look like? Where are you strong? 
where are you weak? Right? What ranges do you have? What ranges do you lack? Let's work on adding range of motion where you're lacking it and adding strength where you're weak. It's that simple. And, and it's simple, but not easy, right? Because our team is extremely highly trained, extremely highly trained to the point that most of them have their doctorates and have decided that this is a more effective way to take care of clients than treating patients in their clinic. And we train them for six months before they're allowed to even take a client with us. So their training is extremely, extremely intense and detailed. And not everybody who starts our training gets through it. But the, the point is, all we need the client to understand is we're going to make you strong where you're weak and we're going to make you long where you're short. And that's going to alleviate your pain. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that are popping in my head that I'm curious about. Um, on the client side, I mean, let's face it, my opinion, most people are lazy, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to fitness, anything like that. People don't like mental pain. They don't like physical pain. And people at, in a, as a whole are, are just lazy. So how do you keep these people motivated and kind of like, you know, what is your success rate with that? We hold them accountable. So, so the, you know, they don't, the problem with a lot of treatments on the market right now is that they're, they're passive, right? So you expect you're going to come to my office and I'm going to fix you. That's how a lot of people look at their doctor visits. I don't have a job in this. I just show up and pay the copay and I get better. That's, that's problem A. Then problem B is here are the exercises that you're supposed to do when you go home. They throw them over their shoulder. I'm never going to do these exercises yeah. because there's nobody holding them accountable. With us, it's, are you already active? Are you already going to the gym? Yes. Would you like to go to the gym, get a sick body and alleviate your shoulder pain at the same time, instead of going to the gym, feeling shoulder pain and having trouble getting the body that you want? Yes. Great. We'll do that for you. Awesome. And then every week, our coaches write the program for the client, evaluate how the client performed, watch videos that the client shares with them of how they performed that week. And they write the next week's program based on how the previous week went. Now, so they're, they're checking in with their coach. There's accountability to it. During the intake process with these people, do you basically say to them or flat out say to them, this is not going to be easy. You got to do this. If you're not going to put in the work, this shit ain't for you. Yes. That's why don't we turn away. Don't waste your time type of thing. Part of the reason we still turn away 35% of people. They're like, oh, I have to do that. Yep. Um, all right. I'll give it a try. I'm like, fuck you will. No, you won't. We're not going to waste our time with that. And it, it, it's, it's not a reflection of us not wanting to help that person. It's a reflection of us knowing that the first month that our coach works with a client, we lose money. The second month, we lose money. The third month, we start to make money on the client because our cost of acquisition, paying the sales team, paying the coach, paying for the ads that drove them in, all that kind of stuff, that costs money. The technology on the back end, the insurance that we have to pay, all the kind of stuff, now that I understand, Charlie, costs money. Yes. So we don't want somebody who's going to kick the tires and see if it works. We want somebody who's thinking about, this is how I'm going to work out from now on. So how long does your ideal client stay with you? Forever. Forever. Our ideal client? Forever, yeah. How long does the average client stay with us? 10 yeah. months. Interesting. They're but out of pain. So, so what happens is typically they're out of pain in their first three. Okay. And, and then what, what comes next is, okay, I'm out of pain. 
How did I get in pain in the first place? Well, you were weak here, you were weak here, you were weak here. Am I still weak here, here, and here? Yes, but you're not weak enough anymore to still be experiencing pain. If you go back to training the way that you were training before, you're gonna rebuild the imbalances that you had that led to your pain in the first place. Let's build more of a buffer for you. We also wanna work with clients all the way through their first setback. Everybody is going to have a setback. Everybody has a setback. The difference between having a setback and having a re-injury is a coach. Yeah, I mean, this is vital, man. I just say people all the time. So I, I've worked with a number of different trainers in my life. And I always say to people, I'm like, yo, forget about the money that you spend, but you're going to go to the gym, you're going to spend money. Like you do a lifetime, you're going to spend some insane amount of money every, every, every month. And you're going to spend all this time and you're going to get shit results because you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, but you're not willing to invest X amount of dollars and X amount of time to work with somebody like yourself who will give them whatever they want. It just doesn't make sense. Charles, it, it's, it comes down to lack of self-awareness. And, and what I mean by that is if you, if you wanted to run an experiment with three of your friends who don't have their fitness goals and would never work with a coach or a company like mine because they say they can't afford it or it's not, it's, it's, it's not going to work, audit their credit card statements. And all I want you to do is highlight the items that actually sabotage their health. And what you'll find is that the average person is spending close to $1,000 a month sabotaging the goals that they're saying they actually want. That's interesting. I thought you were going to go with the, if you look at all the worthless shit people buy. Um, well, it's not even that. It's, it's, did you go out drinking one night? Okay. Did you go out to a restaurant and order shitty food? Okay. Did you, like, all of these things that people do that cost them money, that stress them out, that leads to them actually sabotaging their own health, it's costing them a thousand dollars a month. So let me ask you this. So I'm I'm curious, there's a lot of lessons that you've that you've obviously learned over time. And I think the thing that relates to every business are, you know, the, the two issues are, you know, marketing or two issues are marketing and then you know scaling. Because building a successful business, I find to be pretty easy. If you work your ass off, decently intelligent, but most of all, if you work your ass off, you will achieve a certain level of success. Mm -hmm. Scaling a business to another level, that is very difficult because it involves hiring the right people, putting standard operating procedures, delegating properly, which isn't always the easiest thing to do. So you have a whole bunch of people. Now, that's in, that's in a virtual world. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know, how you learned all this stuff and then how you deal with the marketing, scaling, and management process. Because you have a couple grades, bro, but you don't look stressed at all, man. You look good. You look relaxed. I appreciate that. So, I mean, look, it's we only talked about one side of the house. When I send an email out to both sides of the house, the other side of the house being teaching fitness professionals how to do what we do for our clients. When I send an email, a staff-wide email out on Monday mornings, there's 42 people on it which still blows my mind. I'm like, there are 42 people building this vision. It's How awesome is that? Fucking amazing. awesome, right? Yeah. Amazing. Because here's the thing. Once upon a time, this was an idea that most people probably told you you were fucking batshit. Oh yeah, they still do. Yeah. They still do. So, and, and I love that because what that, that, every time somebody tells me I'm crazy, it reminds me how little people are willing to work for what they believe in. Yes. And, and I feel bad for those people 
it, but at the same time, it gives me comfort that like my competition is just not that good. Yes. So, um, how did I do that? I hired coach after coach after coach until I squeezed all of the juice out of each of them. So, um, first coach I hired was a guy who didn't give me much value, but he did teach me what the metrics I needed to know in a business work. Right? Like he came in, he's like, how many leads did you have last month? I'm like, what's a lead? Right? Like that, that's how green I was. So I learned basic business values from him. Okay. Very valuable to know, just wasn't able to help me actually capitalize on the knowledge, if that makes sense. Got it. Of course. Then the next, and that guy cost me 1800 bucks a month. Then the next coach, uh, cost me a thousand dollars a month, but I only got two hours a week with or two hours a month with him. The other guy, I got all this crazy amount of time. Um, and the first thing he said to me was, if you want to be a better business person, you want to be more successful in business. The first thing you need to do is be a better person. Yes. I, like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. hundred percent agree with that statement. Well, and, and so essentially what he was teaching me was you need to learn empathy and you need to, you need to uh, deploy it as a tool. Like you don't, you don't pay any attention to it. You're treating everybody the way that you want to be treated, Sean. But you like the fuck yous. You like people telling you, you suck. You like people telling you, you did a bad job at this. And so when you treat other people like that, they hate it. <laughs> it's like the love languages of business. Exactly right. So that was about 10 months of coaching. And that's when I was able to go from the 30,000 to the 120,000. Wow. It was crazy because he didn't teach very much about business. He taught about just be a better human being, right? So <clears throat> the lesson I took from that was <clears throat> I will always have a coach who is helping me become a better person yep. and a coach who is helping me focus on my business at the same time. So two different people, right? One to help me be a person, one to help me run a business. Um, so I went from that coach. My next coach was um, a guy named Bedros Koulian. I don't know if you've heard of Bedros or not, but no. Bedros founded and owns Fit Body Bootcamp. And he does some really good business coaching. And I learned a lot from him in a short period of time. Moved on. I got introduced to Jesse Itzler. Are you familiar with who Jesse Itzler is? No. So Jesse Itzler founded Marquee Jet, sold it to NetJet, founded Zico Water, sold it to Coca-Cola, and now he owns the Atlanta Hawks and his wife, Sarah Blakely, founded and owns Spanx. Nice. Yeah. So I met him actually while I was at one of Bedros's events. And what happened was he spoke about going on a book tour because he, he wrote this book, Living with a Seal. He spoke about going on a book tour and having to be in New York for Good Morning America to promote his book. And then going home for lunch to watch his kid swim in a swim meet for a minute and 36 seconds and then get back on a plane, come back to New York to be on shows that night. And I was like, that's, that's what I want. I want to have the life that I can support the family in a way that they understand that they're loved and be able to afford flying back and forth twice in the same day without blinking for a minute and 36 second long swim meet. And so I worked with him and that was one of those things where while I was doing it, everything about it was frustrating. I'm like, you're not teaching me a business. You're not teaching me a business. You're not teaching me a business. And 
one year after working with them, we had three X the company, right? So uh, now I work with a coach named Ken Andruco, who is helping me on the business side and the organizational side and a coach named uh, Lacey. And Lacey's job is to help me with leadership and personal relationships. So that's, I, I learned it all. My goal is to shrink time because I don't know when I'm going to die. So I want to not learn on my own as often as I can. I'd rather bring people in who've already done what I'm trying to do, have them teach me what to do, and then just fucking say, okay, and do it. Yeah. I mean, you're paying coaches to essentially speed up the process. Like you're a smart guy. You could get anywhere that they're going to bring you by yourself. You're just going to get there way faster and you're paying. Yes. I've spent in the last two years, close to $200,000. On, on my own personal coaching and development so that I can do the things that need to be done. And I tell the clients who I coach and our own staff, I'm like, every one of you would be successful without me. None of you need me. It's just about speeding up the time with which that takes the amount of pain that you have to endure to do it. Yes. And for me, it's going to be ice pick pain. Arr! For them, they'd rather it be like, you know, a death by a thousand paper cuts before they realize that they're bleeding out. So I want to talk about your, I don't know if it's a slogan, but it's something you led with, which is very interesting. Um, and since I, I am of the opinion that healthcare is completely fucked, like yes. everything about it is completely fucked. We have, we have sick care. It's just, it's, it's so fucked up. I don't even know what to say. When you talk about reinventing healthcare, what, what do you mean by that? And what are you doing? I don't believe we have healthcare. I believe we have a sick care system, which means you go to the doctor when you're sick. Shoulder pain is a sickness, right? So okay. the only thing that we do is we're, we're, we're meant to live our lives and then show up at the doctor's office when something goes wrong and they're supposed to fix it for us. That's not healthcare, that's sick care. Nobody is addressing top to bottom what's actually going on with somebody so that they don't end up in the doctor's office or so that when they do, it's for something that only the doctor can help. Think of it this way, healthcare right now is a bunch of lifeguards. We need lifeguards because people will drown at the beach without lifeguards. But lifeguards are not swim instructors, right? Lifeguards don't teach you to tread water so that you don't drown again. They get you out of the water and then go back to watching the water again to make sure nobody else drowns. We're asking our doctors to pull people out of the water, then teach them to tread water so that they never drown again, and then teach them to swim. It's too much. And, and the drop down from that is the, the, the fitness professional, the coach. The next level down after the physical therapist and the chiropractor is the personal trainer. And they can get certified in a fucking weekend. That's broken. You shouldn't be able to go from high school to a weekend certification to the same licensure that somebody else has who's been in the field for 20 years. And the problem is the person who's been in the world for 20 years might not have learned anything since they got their certification a weekend out of high school. We need to make it so that coaches can do, when I say coaches, I mean personal trainers, fitness professionals. We need to teach them how to bridge the gap. We need to teach them how to understand the things that fall outside of the ADLs that doctors get paid for. I call them ADIs. Once it goes from being an ADL, activities of daily living, it becomes an ADI, an activity of daily interest. 
I want to be able to play softball with my friends on the weekend, but my back hurts. Whose job is it to help you with that? Not the physical therapist, not the chiropractor, the, the trainer. But the trainer doesn't know how to do it, right? So we got to teach the trainer. I want to lose 40 pounds. Why? That's not actually the trainer's job. That starts off as a therapist's job oftentimes and then becomes a trainer's job, right? Because the person who's 40 pounds overweight, they know that they should eat broccoli instead of a cookie. They just choose the cookie anyway. Why are you making that decision? Right? And somebody really needs to have that conversation and meet that person where they're at. It's not like you can't just start weighing and measuring your food and working out harder. There's a, they, they know they should do that. And they're not anyway. Let's talk about why they're not. So we need to rebuild an entire industry to afford people the opportunity to go to a safe place that is going to be able to help them do these things. I mean, it really seems that and I don't think I don't know if insurance companies will ever get this because a it requires a total mindset change and b it requires significantly more upfront cost. It's not profitable enough for insurance companies to get it because insurance companies function like Planet Fitness. Hopefully, you never use us. Exactly, but in order to have healthier people that live longer, that have to go to the doctor less, you first have to have a shift in mindset to tell them to basically. Show them and teach them how to take care of themselves first. And that's why we are exploring the potential of franchising, which brings me to the real estate investment that you were talking about earlier in the show, because I would like to buy the locations and then rent to the franchises. You're like the McDonald's of, uh, of the healthcare industry. Yes. And, you know, the way I see it, if we just try to teach a coach in every gym or teach some gyms here and there how to do this, it never gets the traction that it needs because people can't look to a brand and, and trust it, right? They're looking at fitness as the brand and saying, I don't trust that. There's still a bunch of schmucks in it. So we need to fix that. See, so to, not to play devil's advocate, but just as like a question in a, in a COVID world, in a modern world, when everything is going digital and when it seems like digital has lower overhead and you can be, you know, have a global reach, et cetera, why are you looking? And although, listen, I believe in real estate. Like, if there's only real estate's like the only thing I believe in, right? I find it interesting that you're reverting back to the real estate, where with what you do, it, it's perfect for for online. It will always be perfect for online, and we will always do it online. I am the guy who likes to zig when everybody else zags. So when gyms are saying, "I don't know if I want to do this anymore," and they already have proper zoning. I want to go take it over because I believe that after COVID's over, people will still want to go and do this in person. And I believe that our target client would rather do it in person at a gym than do it online at their own gym. Yeah. Given that if both are a choice, which right now they're not, I believe that they would rather be able to walk into the place and see their coach every day than work with them over the computer. So I agree with you 150%. I think, and I think a hybrid of the both is probably, you know, the best way to go about doing it. Um, I guess the only question is, and you know the answer better, not that you have to comment on it, but this is what's coming to my mind is coming in early now, which is the right time because you're running into the fire. You have to be capitalized and set it up a way that 
because you're, you're going to burn. You're going to burn through money for a certain period of time. So that transition, it's just a matter of, you know, that has to be in your mind. How do you set that up so that you can get through that period of like you now you lose one month, you lose two months with your current. So, so there, there are things that you can do that mitigate that right now. And, and one of those things is a lot of these gyms have force majeure in their lease, which means they're able to get out of their lease because of an act of God that shuts them down or whatever. Welcome to COVID, right? So these gym owners are looking for an out. They just want to be out, a lot of them. So what we're able to do is say, look, you can be out. We will take it over, try to convert the membership to this new type of membership. If there's a big flop, we'll just pull the plug. Okay, so you you have you're exercising that same ability to pull out within a certain period of time if you can't make it work. Yeah, because I mean, look, here's the thing: we're we're still trying to figure out what, where is our target demographic, like what's what is the right location for one of these. We don't know these things yet. We're still working on it. We're helping gyms right now who want to convert to this model, to convert to it. So I'm not going to own all of them. But we're, we're studying their success and their demographics and what they're doing that's working, what they're doing that's not working so that we can have best practices. So the interesting thing about so I, I believe that everything has a has a three to five year life expectancy. So when I was out flipping, you know, a million houses a year, I was like, oh, I better go back to school because this is great that I'm killing it now. But this shit's going to be over soon. And nothing is worse. There is no industry worse when it comes to fatty shit than the fitness industry. Which is why we don't want to be fitness. We want to be healthcare. You're exactly right. The difference is everybody in fitness right now is competing for the same thing. Yeah. Get you the ass that you want to put in a bathing suit. <laughs> we, we are not marketing to that audience. We are marketing to the get your life back audience. It's different. It's totally different. The person who's listening to this right now who wants to compete in a physique show, we're not the gym for you. We are not the gym for you. The person who's listening to this who wants to go win a Spartan race, we're not the gym for you. The person who's listening to this who wants to be able to go to a Spartan race without fear that they're going to be hurt before it's over, let's talk. Yeah, no, I get it. And listen, you're awesome. I totally believe in you. If anybody could do it, you could do it. I'm really looking forward to how you position it and how you market it because people have never seen anything like it. And it's going to, you're going to have to kind of like educate. Education is ultimately the way everything happens and gets done, but you're going to have to change the way society thinks. Yep. And that's awesome. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing it. If, um, Dude, I love you. It's always great to connect with you. It's good to see you. We got to get a workout in. I got um, the gym right here, man. Yeah? Yeah. I've been on the bike, bro. I, I've lost uh, I've lost 10 pounds from COVID. What bike? Like Peloton? Well, we have a Peloton, yes, but I went and got a road bike, and I start in Belmore, and I shoot down to the beach and then out to Tobe and through the parking lot, and I do 24, 25 miles at a clip. Do you live in Belmore? I do live in Belmore now, South Belmore. Don't don't judge me. <laughs> I live in my girlfriend's house. It's not uh, me. Right. So so Kennedy. Yes, 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 yes. Just How um how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do and how you do it? 
what's the uh, what's the info for everybody out there? Instagram at Dr. Sean Pestich. Hold on, I'm gonna put that in there. At uh, uh, I'm gonna put it up in the comments. At Dr. Just Dr. Right? D R S E A N P A S T U C H. Hi, There we go. Scroll along the bottom. Tech. I am not the most tech savvy person. Why hey, you do better than me. We don't. We don't have a. We don't have a stream show. Bam! There we go. There it is. Yeah. Again, thank you very much. Awesome. Really appreciate it. All the best. Where do you live now, anyway? Are you in? Are you in Belmore? Long Beach. Oh, of course. I leave and you. You. You go. Do you own a bicycle? I own a beach cruiser. I live in Long Beach. <laughs> right. This is gonna work. We're gonna figure something out, though, bro. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate you. Stay in touch, all right? Absolutely. Do the same. Talk to you later, man. Take care. All the best. Orgulloso estoy de mi herencia judía. Bashi